0: Hey there, thanks so much for tuning in to the City Light Church Podcast. We're so honored you've joined us. We hope that today's podcast brings you hope, encouragement, and most of all, adds value to you in your walk with Jesus Christ. We long to see people grow from where they are closer to where God desires them to be, and it's our hope that this podcast is an essential element in that process for you. So, grab a pen, your Bible, and a journal, and let's dive into today's message. And amen, amen. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat, high-five your neighbor, give a hug, a handshake. Middle school, you guys can go ahead and head back to your city group. Man, what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day it is here in Florida. I'm happy to be home, even if it is only for a few days. Thank you. They are getting a few inches of snow back in Colorado at the moment, so I get to fly back home to 20 degrees tomorrow. So that's exciting—shoveling snow, all the fun stuff that comes with that. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Chris, and um, man, I've been around here a long time, <laughs> um, and I'm just—I'm happy to be back. Happy to see all your smiling faces. You know, it's always a privilege and an honor to stand up here and share God's word and to just say, all right, God, what, what do you want to do? And uh, this week is one of those weeks. It's one of those weeks because I've, I've, been, I've been all over the place. Um, and you'll find out in a minute what I'm talking about. But, um, you know, it's funny. I, I was preparing for this week and the Lord took me back to July 25th of last year. And I was sitting right over here on the end of the stage. It was during the pre-service prayer. And Linda Murphy walked over to me and she said, You know, I don't know, I don't know if this means anything to you. But the Lord told me to tell you this. So, what God started, He will finish. And at the time I'm like, Cool, that's that's awesome. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, I made note of it in my phone. Um, as I do with a lot of stuff that people will, will tell me. Because at the time, people will tell you stuff and you're just like, that's awesome. That's great. I don't know what the heck that means. But thank you for that. And as I was preparing for this week, it led me back to that. And I was praying and praying like, God, what, what does this mean? What God started, he will finish. What God started he will finish. And there's a, man, there's a plethora of things in life that that could apply to. Right? For some of you this morning, just that that simple phrase, maybe that's all you need. Maybe you're like, I'm good now. Like, I got it. What God started, he will finish. And I prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it. And the Lord took me to, to two scriptures. And the first scripture was Revelation chapter two, verse four. And it's, this, this letter to the church of Ephesus. And we read in verse 4. It says, But I have this against you, for you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Wow. And then he took me to Exodus chapter 2. Story of Moses. And it says this, beginning at verse 11, it says, Years later, after Moses had grown up, He went out to his own people and observed their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his people. Looking all around and seeing no one, he struck the Egyptian dead and hit him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you attacking your neighbor? Who made you a commander and judge over us? the man replied. Are you planning to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And then Moses became afraid and thought, what I did is certainly known. When Pharaoh heard about this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, what does Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 have to do with Exodus chapter 2 and the story of Moses? I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. I I sent Ken a a message earlier in the week. I was like, the Lord gave me these two scriptures. I don't know what the heck they mean. Like in my mind, there's no correlation. And he's like, well, just just pray about it. (laughs) Just pray about it. The Lord gave it to you. He'll he'll bring it together. So if the Lord gives you any clarity at some point this morning or during the week, feel free to let me know. (laughs) But in Exodus chapter 2, we read about... Moses, right? We read about his upbringing. And if you've been around the church for any length of time, I'm sure you've heard the story of Moses. If you haven't heard it in church, I'm sure you've seen a TV show, a movie, something about it. Like it's just one of those feel-good stories in scripture of this little baby being saved, right? We know that at the beginning of his life that all of the Hebrew children were being killed. They were being murdered. And he was born and his mother, in an effort to save his life, puts him in this basket and floats him down the river. Right? It, it, again, it's this cute little feel-good story, and, and he's rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. And she decides to, to take him as her child. Right? And he grows up living in the Egyptian palace, being treated as an Egyptian prince, which is the exact opposite of the life that he was destined for. He went from this child that, that was to be murdered to living the life of luxury, being set up for success in, in every possible way. But he does grow up, and he knows he recognizes, "Hey, I'm I'm not like them. I, I am a a Hebrew." He identifies himself with the Hebrew people, and eventually he grows resentful of the way that they're being treated. He gets into this confrontation that we just read about, and he ends up murdering this Egyptian. He murders this Egyptian, and there's there's a lot of things wrong with the way this confrontation was handled. Right? We know murder is never the solution. Right? We know that, you know, even if you think it, and there have been times I've thought it, driving down the road in Colorado behind somebody from Wyoming. Because they don't understand speed limits. And then I repent before I get to the church. <laughs> you see, he took matters into his own hands. He committed this murder. That, that's the very first mistake that he made here. Because we know that God had a plan to deliver the Israelites. We know that he had a plan to deliver the Hebrew people. Secondly, He got into trouble because he was going against what he knew as family, right? He he, he did this against an Egyptian, which was going against everything that culture and society was set up for at that time, right? There there was a structure in place. There were things that you did, things you didn't do. And Pharaoh condemns Moses to death. So what does he do? He runs, he he flees, he, he goes to the desert. He goes out to the wilderness. And we know eventually that Moses came around, right? We know that eventually he made a decision to follow God. We read this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. See, but Moses realizes that he can't save the Israelites on his own. He can't do it on his own. And he's drawn into the wilderness to learn how to live by faith, to learn how to really depend on God. Right? He's drawn from everything that he knows. Everything that he knew, his conveniences, the pleasures out to this dry and desolate place. And he winds up in Midian, where he encounters the seven daughters of Ruel. We read about that later on in Exodus chapter two. And it's here that he encounters these ladies and there's some local shepherds that are giving them a hard time. And he comes to their rescue, right? He rescues them, he saves them. And this is really the first time in his life that he's acting as a true deliverer. And then he goes one step further, and, and he says, "You know what? Hey, I'm. I did this. That's great. That's cool. I'm gonna. I'm gonna water, water your, um, provide water for, the sheep and for things you're looking at here. And this absolutely amazed them, blew them away because this was unheard of during the times culturally. Like this was unheard of to have a man doing this for these ladies. It was really such a, a menial task, and yet." he did it. This was a big, big deal. So we know that Moses went from the heights of privilege, living into the palace, right? To having everything done for him, provided for him, to now he's sitting here providing water for this flock. He's doing something for these women that by custom would typically be serving him. See, because of this, Moses is invited to stay with the family, and, and we, know that, we know that things work out for Moses, right? He goes, he stays with the family, he finds a wife, he marries one of the daughters, and he takes up the occupation of shepherding, All right? So we know, again, from royal upbringing to now, he is a shepherd. <laughs> He's a shepherd. He, he had everything he needed. He was set up for success, And now he finds himself serving in one of the lowest of the low positions, culturally speaking. He was a prince. And now he's doing this lowly task in the desert, in the wilderness. And I think it's funny that, you know, we often equate the desert and the wilderness as a dry, quiet, and desolate place. But that's where Moses had to go to experience the fullness of the Father. It's in that dry, desolate, quiet place that He had to go to experience, to hear, to be equipped, to be developed. Right? There are things that you learn in the wilderness that you can't learn in the palace. In the palace, right? It's easy, it's the easy life. It's the easy life. But the wilderness is where you learn to really, truly, like fully depend on God. It's where you, you are able to have those heart to hearts with the Father and He can refine you. See, out in the wilderness, he, he can't rely on His wealth, He can't rely on the prestige of His position as an adoptive prince. And He ends up as the shepherd. Right, and The thing about sheep is that they need constant care, that they need a constant eye on them because they have to be led to safe places, they have to be protected, they have to, to be fed and cared for. And we read throughout Scripture that many of the greatest leaders in the Bible served as shepherds at some point in time because there's such a correlation to caring for shepherds as there is caring for people and leading people and guiding people and caring for people and protecting people. See, it was by tending his flock that Moses learned how to feed. He learned how to defend. He learned how to rescue the lost sheep of Israel, a task that he would, he would be giving in later years. See, it's often in hard situations that our character is revealed, that our character is refined, and that our character is reformed. See, Moses' education and status in the palace wasn't enough for the kind of leader that God was developing him to be. It wasn't setting him up to be the leader that God created and destined him to be. And I think we often read stories in Scripture and we're drawn drawn to to the heights of the story. And I think sometimes we miss those development stages. We miss those phases where we see... All the flaws of these men and women. And that's one of the things I love about Scripture is that throughout all of the Bible, like everything is laid bare. Everything is laid bare. It's, you know, we see everybody's mistakes, everybody's flaws, every bad and poor decision that they make, God shows us that. And I think He shows us that because I think in all of us, God starts something and we know that what God started. He's going to finish. See, each great leader started out young and inexperienced, made mistakes, learned, and grew. And in the wilderness, Moses' character was tested and refined into the character of the man that God wanted to lead his people. See, his own personal 40-year journey prepared him for another 40-year journey leading the Israelites through the wilderness, leading them through the desert and... You're probably thinking, like, that's, that's awesome, Pastor Chris. Great story, Moses, but what does that have to do with Revelation chapter 2? See, and here's the connection for me. In the church of Ephesus, on the outside, on the exterior, everything was great. Everything looked great. They were doing the things that they knew to do. They, and they were doing a good job at it. Why we read in the first few verses in Revelation chapter 2 where God is he, He's He's commending them. He's telling them, Hey, you're doing a great job at this, you're doing a great job at that. Right? He he's Jesus is pleased with their good deeds. They're doing good things. He, he's pleased with their dedication, right? Things are challenging, but they're fighting through, they've endured, and they haven't quit. He's pleased with their doctrine. Right? He's saying, Man, you guys are on point. Everything they're doing is Is good until we get to verse four. He says, But I have this against you. But I have this against you. I as a child, as a parent, like I equate that to to, you know, sitting down with your mom and dad, and they're saying, You know what? I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you. You're doing such an amazing job. You're knocking it out of the ballpark at this, you're killing it at that. This is amazing but. And it's just like a dagger to the heart, right? It's like, you know, built up, built up, built up, and then they just chop you down. And that's what we're seeing here. You know, you're doing a good job at this. You're doing a good job at that, but. But you have abandoned the love that you've had at first. You you abandoned the main thing, right? There was a time that you were on fire, but now... Now you're just going through the motions. You're just going through the motions. And we know that Jesus hasn't lost his passion for us. He hasn't lost his passion for his people. right? He wants our obedience, yes. But he also wants our affection. He wants our heart. And the faith journey, man, it's, it's not just simply about doing good things. There are people that will tell you, there, there is no God. God doesn't exist. And guess what? They're doing amazing things, caring for and loving for people. But it's about our relationship with the Father. Right? It's about exactly what Pastor Ken has been speaking about the past few weeks, about that intimacy, that relationship. You see, not only does God care about what we do, but he cares about why we do what we do. You know, what, what is the posture of our hearts and in our lives, if we're being real, if we're being honest and transparent, we all experience seasons of abandoning our first love. We all do. And if you want to stand here and tell me that you haven't, I would stand there and tell you to your face you're probably a liar. Because this is part of the faith journey, right? We all get comfortable. We all get convenient. And that's when This is where I think about Moses in the palace, right? Because the palace is a place of ease. It's a place of comfort. It's a place that really is about me. Serve me, give me, 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 me. And the wilderness is a place that will absolutely wreck you. It'll wreck you because it's a place where you actually have to, you have to wrestle with God and discover who you are in the process. See, in the wilderness, that's where you really discover your why, right? Why do I exist? What is my purpose? Why do I do what I do? Why do I not do what I know I should do? See, these are things that you discover in the wilderness because it's a place of discovery. It's a place where God encounters you on a deeper level because you're not distracted by all the shiny, pretty things in the palace, We know that if Satan can't get you on his team, right? he will do everything in his ability to keep you from serving on Team Jesus. He'll do everything that he can to keep you from participating the way that God designed you to participate. See, and here's what I've learned in my life. Sometimes the Lord has to take you away from everything you know so that you can rediscover him. Say that again. You got it. Sometimes the Lord has to take you away from everything you know so that you can rediscover him. It's easy to abandon your first love from the convenience of the palace. It's it's easy to not walk in your purpose when you have no reason to participate. When everything is being handed to you in, in the palace, it's easy to get comfortable leaning on everyone else but God. It's easy to depend on the people around you, the people that are there serving you. And yet, you're not leaning on the one person you should be. In the church, we can get comfortable giving, serving, doing all the stuff we know to do until the point where it becomes so routine that we forget what a privilege and what an honor that it is. But like just the, the the opportunity that we have to gather together here, week in and week out, is a privilege. It, it's an honor. And yet we take it for granted. Right? The it's just easy to get comfortable and convenient and, and go through the motions. And in my life, I can tell you, man, I have had many, many different seasons of wandering in the wilderness and, and wondering what God was up to. Right? Like, why are you doing this? Why is all of this happening? And if you know me, man, my, my mom and my aunt are over here, and they will tell you, and Ken will tell you, and Paul, like, I was the kid in the family that the family was praying for for a season. <laughs> and I will take every single one of those prayers, because God knows I need it. <laughs> Right? But I'm the type of person that I want to know, like, 15 steps ahead. I want to know where we're going, how we're going to get there, right? Because a few months ago, Rachel, when we drove out to Colorado, I could tell you within minutes, based on bathroom stops, food stops, when we were going to be where we needed to be. Like, I'm that guy. That's me. That's how I was designed. It may be borderline OCD. <laughs> But it's okay. The Lord uses everything. (laughs) You see, but here's what in recent years my wilderness times have taught me. And I think this was, this is within the past few months I've really come to realize this. And you really have to, like the Lord just, he kicked me in my rear end when he revealed this to me. Like I realized for so long how much of ministry I was doing out of my own power. Right, out of the things I knew to do, the things I knew to say, the skills, the knowledge, the way, all that, I, I was doing it out of me with very little dependence on God. And I realized, Revelation 2.4, that was me. I had abandoned my first love. At the heart of it, I had forgotten my why. We know that everything in our lives flow from our relationship with the Father. Everything, the way we treat our wives, our kids, our friends, family, everything flows from that relationship. And, you know, like the past few weeks, Pastor Ken has been talking about intimacy with the Father and what it is and what does it look like you see, and here's the thing, we, we all have to get to the point in our life where God absolutely breaks us. Amen. He absolutely breaks us. And if I'm being honest, I don't think it's a one-time occurrence. I think so many think, like, man, I, I went through this valley. It was tough. Like, yes, I know what I need to know. I'm equipped to do what I, I need to do." And then that next thing comes along. And then the next thing, and the next thing. And, and I can tell you, in the past few years. God has broken me physically, like physically, 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 spiritually, and emotionally to get me to the place where I had no more strength. I had no more fight, but he did, but he did. And here's, here's what he said to me. He said, come here, son. I've got this. Just rest, just rest. You've been doing all this stuff and it's all good. It's all good stuff. All of this ministry, and yet through it all, you've missed me and I've been right in front of you the whole time. I'm not a crier, if you know me, but I can't tell you how often I've cried over the past few months, processing through this. And a few weeks ago, I- I'm laying in bed one night, and-, and I'm not somebody that will typically like hear things in-, in my head, like I just don't, and I hear this, these words in my conscious laying in bed one night, it says, "God tells me, I don't care about the titles. I don't care about the accolades. I don't care how big your platform is. I don't care who knows who you are because I do." He yeah. yeah. <clears throat> said, "All I want is you, fully and completely, just you. I love what." Tim Keller says, he says, you don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all that you have. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, it says, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Stop and think about that statement for a moment. He chose us before The foundation of the world. Before anything existed, God chose you. He already made up his mind about you. Before any of this was here, he he knew you and he chose you. My wife loves, she loves old churches. And what she loves about old churches is these beautiful stained glass mosaics, right? They're absolutely gorgeous. But the thing is with those mosaics that they're made up of all these different pieces that on their own are beautiful. They're beautiful pieces, but they have to be broken. They have to be broken and they have to be put together meticulously, intricately, with intentionality. And the end product you get is this beautiful, beautiful piece of art. It's priceless, it's unique, it's, it's a one of a kind. And that's each and every one of us. Right? That's each and every one of us when we go through this process of breaking and reshaping and God putting us back together. Right? Sometimes God has to break us in order to bless us. In order to get us to that next phase where he's destined us for, he has to break everything in us. I think it's not until you're fully broken that you really, truly see with a humble heart and with clear eyes and open ears your need and dependence on the Father. It's then and only then that He can do what He wants to do in you when you fully, fully surrender. See, I've learned over the past few years, man, ministry is good. Ministry is good, it's a blessing, it's a privilege. But here's the thing I've learned and that I've really leaned into. If I were to never step foot on another platform again and just disappeared into the sunset, just loved God fully, loved Rachel and the kids completely, he would be perfectly fine with that. He would be perfectly fine with that. The love he has for me doesn't change based on my profession, based on my vocation, based on what I'm doing or what I'm not doing. As long as I'm loving him fully and completely... He's good with that. See, the question that I have to wrestle with, the question that all of us have to wrestle with is this. Am I okay with that? Am I content with that? If I accomplish nothing else on this earth, and the big highlight at the end of the day, my big success is simply loving God fully and completely. Are we okay with that? Because at the end of the day, that's all. That's all we're called to do. The Lord will take care of the rest of it. See, I've learned to not despise the wilderness, to not despise the breaking, because I know that God is never not there. He's always there. God doesn't waste a single thing, even when we bring it upon ourselves. He wastes nothing, He still uses each and every moment, each and every season of our lives to refine us, to build us, to develop us, to make us into the person he wants us to be. And let me say this. Don't, don't believe the lie that, you know, we're, we're good at saying this in the church. Oh, God will never give you more than you can handle. That is a load of crap. God will give you everything you can handle and then some, because even though you can't handle it, He can. He can. See, it's often in the wilderness that we learn to truly and fully trust and rely on the Father and His provision. There's this saying that life is lived forward but only understood backwards, mm-hmm. right? Meaning we don't often see things as they're happening until after the fact, after, you know, hindsight is always 20-20, yeah. right? I said it earlier and I'll say it again. There are things you learn in the wilderness that you can't learn in the palace, We just have to humble ourselves enough and be willing to learn and see what God is trying to show us. Sometimes he takes us to that dry and desolate place so that we can discover him and who we are in him. I'll go back to that phrase I said at the very beginning, what God started, he will finish. There are people in this room, there are people watching online that are doing good works. You're giving, you're serving, you're doing all the things you know to do, but you're operating from a place of comfort. You're operating with a palace mindset. And God just wants to remind you of your first love. He he wants to remind you of why you do what you do. Why do you give? Why do you serve? Why do you show up each and every week? And, And I'm not... Saying that to make you feel bad, because trust me, I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to the choir. Because this is what the Lord has been doing in me over the past few years, and I haven't always gotten it right. I can't tell you the number of times I have failed and made mistakes and had to come crawling back like a little child and say, Daddy, fix it. And He does. Each and every time. This morning, I want to pray a a few things. So if you'll just bear with me, you can go ahead and bow your heads and and close your eyes. The first thing I want to pray is this. It's for those of you that you've been operating from a mindset of being comfortable in the palace. You've turned away, you've forgotten your first love. You've forgotten why you do what you do. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I, I just want to pray for you this morning. So, Father God, I, I just pray for those in this space, those watching online, those listening later on, Father. God, that if maybe they're at a point in their life that, God, they've forgotten about you doing all the good things, serving in all the ways we know we should, giving in the ways we know we should, Father, and yet they've missed you. Father, this morning I pray that you would just, God, that you would open their eyes, that you would humble their heart, Lord. God, that you would open their ears, that, Lord, you would just speak to them right now. God, that you would just remind them that you're never not there. You're always there. Waiting like the loving father that you are with your arms wide open. Father, I pray that you would just, God, hit the reset button in each and every one of our lives. God, that we would put the main thing as the main thing. Father, if we never give another dollar, if we never serve another minute in ministry, Father. God, that we would keep you first at the forefront of our lives each and every day, God. And if that's the only thing we accomplish in our lives, God, I know that we will hear those words when it's all said and done. Second prayer I want to pray this morning and please keep your eyes closed, your heads bowed. It's just, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've never put God first in your life. Maybe you've never made that decision to to follow him. We're gonna pray your prayer and I wanna encourage everyone in here to to say this prayer with me. And if you're saying that prayer for the first time and you're you're making a decision to follow Jesus, you're you're, you're sitting here this morning, you're like, I I recognize who Jesus is. He's he's the son of God. He lived a sinless life. He died for me. He rose three days later and today he sits at the right hand of the father on my behalf. If that's you this morning, after the service, I just wanna encourage you, stop by Next Steps. Let them know you made that decision because we want to come alongside of you. We want to partner with you. We want to disciple you. We want to set you up for success on this faith journey. So let's pray this together as a church family. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sins. I turn from my sins and give you my life. I confess you As my Lord and Savior, thank you for saving me. Amen. We hope that this message has brought you hope and encouragement, and it was just what you needed for today. If you're joining us today and we can partner with you in prayer in any way, it would be our honor. Please reach out to us by visiting our website, mycitylight.org. And lastly, if the Holy Spirit has laid it on your heart to give today, you can do that by visiting mycitylight.org and go to the giving tab. Or text any amount to 84321. Be blessed.